0: politics culture chaos it's time to make sense of it all it's time to have a little fun this is your afternoon dose of sanity this is the rich zioli podcast
1: indeed it is and uh you know i've been waiting all day hoping to get to the verdict but as of right now no verdict maybe there'll be a verdict but as of now not so much we'll see We'll see what happens. But in the meantime, oh did Biden give a speech today? Oof, did he ever? Welcome to the podcast. Hope you're having a great day today. Busy, busy afternoon. Yeah, no, I was really, I was thinking too, you know, come on. This guy can speak, right? The President of the United States. I keep giving this guy too much credit, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> By the way Alan Dershowitz would say Kyle Rittenhouse not only should be acquitted, he should sue everybody in the media everybody sue everybody he said i agree with him by the way why not what the heck uh all right where do i begin today so uh so el presidente gave a speech another rambling rambling speech today let's begin shall we with him just losing his train of thought as we just kind of do this he signed the infrastructure bill today so a lot of people are thrilled by this mainly uh democrats and 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 weak republicans so here we go
0: and we're building again and we're moving again folks When you see these projects starting in your hometowns, I want you to feel what I feel, pride, pride of what we can do together as the United States of America. And as 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 some, you know, I think the same goes if I don't want to get into it in detail because you're going to be freezing. But here, but my plan to build back better for our people, getting folks back to work and reducing the cost of things like child care, elder care, housing, health care, prescription drugs
1: you know pride only hurts it never helps can i can i just can i just say that all right pride never helps it only hurts just could quote pulp fiction for you just as we begin the afternoon because that that's all i could think about during that rambling train of thought right there uh, how many corporations were involved in all this how many corporations let's see let's get a number here let's see if the number goes up let's see if the number goes down let's see if the number is a random number a prime number uh, let's just see
0: I'm a capitalist. You want to be a billionaire and a millionaire. That's great. Good for you. But pay your fair share.
1: He's doing the creepy whisper thing.
0: 400 corporations, 550 corporations in the Fortune 500. Guess what? I misspoke. 55 corporations in the Fortune 500 made $40 billion last year. Did not pay one single penny in taxes. <laughs> who knows who, who pays it? Y'all pay it, as they say in Southern you Y'all. Yo. Pay it. For real. I'm doing Think a fake Southern it. accent, too. This law, and so that's why this bill is paid for. Look, it's long overdue promise. It creates better jobs for millions of Americans. And, let, and I'm going to be clear, especially here in New Hampshire. No one earning, no one earning in America. Less than $400,000 will pay a single, solitary, extra penny in federal taxes. I wouldn't even let the Bipartisan Commission include gas tax in this bill. Because that would mean people, working folks, would be paying more money. Look, this law is a blue-collar blueprint to rebuild America. It leaves nobody behind. Now our focus moves on to implementing this infrastructure law. And it was some speed and discipline. I asked the former mayor of New Orleans and former lieutenant governor of Louisiana, Mitch Landerwarian. Mitch, right there.
1: All right, Mitch. All right, talk to us, Mitch. So a couple points on that, right? The, the lie that's being told about the, the cost of all this uh, to you, which is, is it's, it's a massive tax hike on the middle class. It's a massive tax hike on the middle class. Everybody knows this, that it is, because everybody is going to pay more. In fact, 30% of middle-class families are going to be paying more according to estimates from the people that do the estimates on these things. That's the reality of everything that's going on here. So I, I, I'm just pointing that out because they continue to peddle this nonsense from D.C., and it's not true. He says he says that not only the middle class will not be paying more, but he, he also says millionaires and billionaires will be paying their fair share. Do you know that two-thirds of millionaires are going to receive a tax cut? under this plan did you, did you know that i mean I'm, I'm okay with that but it's just another lie that's all it's just another lie there's a lot there's a lot of lies that are being told right now there's a lot of lies as you can imagine um did you see the roaring welcome the president got in new hampshire today oh it was epic it was trumpian if i dare say so myself take a listen i'm making this up this is really true it's true epic epic Boy, somewhere Trump is jealous right now. You know what I mean. Somewhere he's jealous as Biden walks down with a very, very purple-looking person next to him. Who? Yeah. Woohoo! Woohoo! Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, thank, thank you, both of you. Thank you both for coming today to my presidential bill big back, build better thing that we're doing here. There were dozens of people out there today, dozens. Uh, what else did he say today regarding the, uh, the lies that were told? There was a lot of them, as you can imagine, spewed out today. One of the other things, that too, that I, I found pretty fascinating is that today in D.C., of all places, the mayor of D.C., Muriel Bowser, has announced that there will be no more indoor mask mandates in a lot of different places, which is pretty amazing. They're going to lift the current indoor mask mandate. Now, she says she wants to be very clear Actually, you want to you want to hear the whole lecture from the mayor, of DC. This is always good because I love these 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 people that think they can run their lives in the middle of a pandemic, and then what they wind up doing is they wind up lecturing and belittling and condescending and everything else. So here, take a listen. Here, so
2: uh, we want to move on quickly to what this uh, means uh, for our response, and as Dr. Nesbitt says, it can't be restated enough that vaccines are working; they're preventing people from getting severely ill and from dying from COVID. Uh, And we've come a long way in the past year. Vaccines are widespread and easily available as well. DC Health will be updating the health guidance, uh, its health guidance, so that it is based on risk levels and the use of layered mitigation strategies. And risk levels will primarily be tied to a person's uh, vaccination status. So in line with that approach, beginning on Monday, uh, we will lift the current indoor uh, mask mandate. Now I want to be very clear. This does not mean that people should stop, uh, that everyone needs to um, stop wearing their mask. But it does mean that we're shifting the government's response to providing you this risk-based information. Uh, and recommending layering strategies as layering. the best way to protect yourself. You know, falls good and uh, I think, yeah, and masks will still be required in some spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, and spaces. so regardless of your vaccination status, like and where? I'm going to list a few here. Oh, go
1: ahead. Give any it to private
2: us. business that wants a mask mandate uh, may impose a mask mandate. Mm-hmm. On public transportations like buses and trains, inside train stations and airports, and riding in shared vehicles, a mask will continue to be required. Why? In schools, child care facilities, and libraries, a mask will continue to be okay. required.
1: Where is a mask now required?
2: In congregate facilities such as nursing homes. Uh-huh assisted living facilities, shelters, dorms, resi- dorms okay. or residences so on campus. and
1: where can I and
2: correctional take facilities. a mask off? A mask will continue to be mandated. Uh-huh. Okay. And a D.C. government facility where there's direct interaction between employees and the public, for okay. example, at the so, DMV so, yeah. or DHS right. service everywhere. centers, Pretty much everywhere, a mask yep. will continue okay. uh, to be so required. So you can take it off in your house. In your house. So obviously everyone who is eligible <laughs> should get vaccinated. And then you go um,
1: Take your mask off in your house or in your own private bathroom as long as nobody else is around your bathroom at that moment. Otherwise, mask up, baby, because nothing's changing. I, I just I don't really know what that what to make of that. I really don't. But look, the bottom line is this: COVID's not gonna kill us. COVID, we're gonna survive COVID. We have been surviving COVID. Life is normal again. Uh, except in the minds of politicians who just are so scared to let uh, control up, obviously. But it really doesn't matter because climate change is, in fact, going to kill us. In fact, it's so much of an existential threat that for the last 50 years, we have had all kinds of people now warning us, of climate hysteria and how the earth was going to end. I shared this on the show, but I thought it was worth bringing up again because I know sometimes you go in and out, you can't hear everything. And that's why this podcast is so beautiful because you, you get a quick summation of the day of everything that you missed and you don't miss a thing. But there were 50 years of predictions that the climate apocalypse is is here. It's, or I should say, nigh. it's near. How do you say that? You know, like it's almost there. It's near, right? Uh, Here we go. Ready? Because recently President Barack Obama said the world has to step up and uh, has to step up now. Uh, When it comes to uh, climate, uh, time really is running out. Greta Thunberg yelled at the U.N. recent COP26 thing. She said, how dare you? This is a system wide climate emergency and we're all going to die. There's a lot of this chicken little stuff that's going on out there. Paul Barron's a professor in environmental change. He told Politico that the only fact that we do know in the future that he can declare with certainty is that the world as we know it is coming to an end. No, it's actually a real quote. He literally said that. He said, he said, quote, the only fact that the future in the future, I can declare with uh, certainty is that the world is going to come to an end. All right. Very, very optimistic. Makes me feel good inside. How about you? Absolutely. Now, in 1972, the United Nations Environment Protection boss at the time said, quote, we have 10 years to stop the catastrophe. 10 years to stop the catastrophe. That was one of the headlines that came out back then, 10 years in 1972. Now, keep in mind now, when 1982 came, and if you remember the 80s, you know that 1982 came around because it didn't end 10 years later like he said it would. So in 82, what did they do? They extended it, but they pretended like the first warning didn't come true. So it wasn't like they came out and they said, all right, well, it's 10 years plus. They just pretended like the first warning never came true. And then they came out and they said another 10 years. Actually, they gave it to 2000 at this point. They said, uh, Mark uh, Tolba, who was the head of the UN environmental program, he said that there's going to be an environmental catastrophe that is going to destroy the world As we know it by the year 2000. Okay? 1989, senior UN environmental officer shaved a year off that dire prediction, saying that if we didn't fix climate change by 1999, we could have global disaster. Nations wiped off the face of the earth and crop failures. 1989. 1989. Now, of course, none of those things happened in 1989, although we did have some crop failures, if you remember back then. But then we had, I think it was Crop Aid or something like that, or Farm Aid or Live Aid or something. And then we started just making up crops, you know, really. I mean, we just started crossbreeding them or whatever. So that was a whole thing. And, and then it was 1999. And in 1999, they said, we have to fix climate change by 1999 or climate change goes beyond human control. I don't know whose control was it at that point, but somebody's, I guess. It goes beyond human control. 1990, Mustafa Toba, the head of the UN Environmental Program, said, we must fix climate change before 1995. We shall win or lose the climate struggle in the first years of the 1990s, he said. Now, unfortunately, the 1990s did not bring an end to days. And so we're all still here today. But in 2004, the Guardian newspaper came out with a secret report from the Pentagon to President George W. Bush. And it said the time of climate change would destroy all of us. Now the Pentagon tells Bush climate change will destroy us. Secret report warns of rooting, li- I'm sorry, rioting and nuclear war. Britain will be Siberia in less than 20 years. Threat to the world is greater than terrorism. Among the predictions, major European cities will be sunk beneath the rising seas. Britain plunged into a Siberian climate by the year 2020. Nuclear conflict, mega droughts, famine and widespread rioting will erupt across the world. Oh, yes, yes, very humiliating to the Bush administration because they weren't doing enough to tackle the climate change thing. But, of course, none of those things happened. Then 2012 came out. No, I'm sorry, first 2000, that's actually a movie with John Cusack, it was terrible, but first in the year 2007, Rajinda Pachori, who was head of the UN Climate Panel, said, if there's no action before 2012, then that'll be too late. That will be too late, you understand, All right, so then 2012, and uh, that came and went, obviously, even with the bad John Cusack movie. So uh, where are we right now, as you can imagine? Uh, Then it became 11 years. 2019 came around. 11 years to prevent irreversible damage from climate change. 11 years. So ambition and urgency is needed to address global emergency, the Secretary General says. Uh, We are the last generation that can prevent irreparable damage to our planet. So we have until 2030 which is 58 years from the original warnings of 1972. So now you know, okay? And now you know. Of course now, does this mean that the world is going to call on China to give up its coal and its gas and its oil? Uh, No, of course not. (laughs) No, 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 no that's adorable no we're not gonna ask China to do anything we're certainly not gonna ask him to stop torturing people or imprisoning people or uh you know destroying people's human rights we're certainly not gonna ask him that we're definitely not gonna ask him to do anything about their their use of fossil fuels just so just FYI on that point because I think in case you were confused that's all I didn't want you to be confused and sometimes it's a confusing world that's all and that is of course why I am here
0: let's cut through the bs this is the Rich Zeoli Podcast.
1: So then knowing all this about climate change, you can understand then why it is that in the new infrastructure bill, the president is talking about his Build Back Better plan. You can understand now why it is that we're going to make roads and bridges. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. Can I ask an honest question too? Why is it that we're still dealing with roads? Really? When, really? Like, why are we doing with roads when... We should be having flying cars. I just wanted flying freaking cars. Is that too much to ask? Flying cars? Anybody? Come on. What happened to flying cars? We were promised flying cars. And then they can go on these really new big high roads. The questions at the kitchen
0: table. I used to get kitted because I spent kidded. so much time commuting every day between Wilmington, Delaware, after my wife and daughter were killed, to uh, back to Washington every single day, 260 miles a day. And I'd ride home and I'd look out the window. This is the God's truth just outside of uh, Washington. And I'd go through a long stretch of residential neighborhood. And I could see the lights on in the kitchens and in the dining room. And I wonder, what is it that, what, what are they talking about? What are they thinking about? Because that's why I ran. That's why these folks ran. It's about building, the, their, taking care of their legitimate needs. And to make sure democracy delivers for everybody. You know, we promised that, that we couldn't just build back what we had before. We had to build back better. And that's, a, that's a, an environmental requirement. A highway gets washed out. You can't build it back to what it was before, which used to be the measure. You got to build a couple feet higher. Because even if we gain control of the climate, we're still, it's not going to go back to what it was before. It's not going to be that way. And despite the cynics, Democrats and Republicans, we can work together. We can deliver real results. We can deliver real people results that are going to affect
1: them. We're going to deliver real people to people like Nancy Pelosi who are looking for them on the menu. So we're going to make roads higher because of climate change. This way, if the seas rise, you'll be able to go over them in the high roads. I would just say instead, why not make cars aquatic? You know, a car that could turn into a boat, like in James Bond. That was in a uh, Roger Moore James Bond movie. I think The Spy Who Loved Me, where the car actually turned into a boat. I believe a submarine, to be accurate. So it turned into a submarine and went underwater and that sort of thing. And wouldn't that be easier than just making roads higher just to make car Look, they're going to put in, I told you yesterday, those drunk driving sensors things, which are not invented yet, so they have to invent that technology to see if the car can start, if you've been drinking or not. So why not invent technology that will enable the car to turn into a freaking submarine? Huh? Huh? How about that? What do you think? I think so. You like it? You like it? Absolutely. No doubt about it. Um, Let's turn our attention to the border for a moment, shall we? Today, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, the nation's leading PowerPoint presenter who is honestly one of the most boring human beings I've ever heard in my life. No, he really is. He makes Michael Scott from The Office seem incredibly exciting. Today he said something fascinating about the Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris. and Everybody's just ripping on her. It's great. Everywhere Kamala Harris turns, they are just ripping on her. Nobody's happy with the job she's doing, and I mean nobody. And do you remember how she became the border czar? She was the czar. Remember this? Czar of the border. Well, it turns out, according to the deputy of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, today, not so fast. His org chart does not include Kamala Harris on the org chart in that manner in which you prescribe. And remember, it's all about the org chart. It's all about the org chart, because if you don't know the org chart, you will not know what I'm talking about. And that is that Kamala Harris is apparently not. And, and, and this article that I have to share with you from Politico, here's the essence of it. Everybody in the White House hates her. They hate her, and they don't know what to do with her. And I think they want her to quit. She's never going to quit, by the way. She hates them, too. It's a mutual hate-hate relationship that they all have with each other. And it's, it's because of the fact that during that debate, she shredded her boss as basically being a racist. Remember that in that first debate? Joe, I was that little girl, Joe, on that bus. You remember that, right? And so then the other day, CNN went after her, and actually one of the guests on CNN went after CNN for going after Kamala Harris, And this is where all her defenders came out in the media and said people just don't like her because she's racist, because they're racist and sexist. What if it's just that she's just not a very good vice president? People don't like her because she's not a likable person. What about that? Is that a possibility, of course? I guess it's not a possibility that they ever actually pursue, but something that they should pursue because that's the reality. I mean, the Democrats do not want her to be their nominee for president in 2024. You know that, right? I mean, no chance in hell. None whatsoever. So she was asked, uh, so Secretary Mayorkas today was responding to the fact of her being the climate czar. Vice President Harris, our border czar. Border czar. What yeah. kind of grade would you give her?
0: Vice President um, Harris is not the border czar. Vice President Harris has been uh, asked by the President of the United States to focus on root causes.
2: Okay, when let me answer this quickly was- in my
0: last few seconds. When's the last time you talked to her about, about uh, securing the border? Several weeks ago. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'm Thank you, Senator in, like Kennedy. On
1: time. I She's not to recognize that. I sure so. do.
0: You get an A+. Plus. Senator Booker? not
1: the borders are Get it? Not the borders are Kamala Harris sideline have been growing tensions with Biden, insiders say. According to the New York Post, Vice President Kamala Harris increasingly feels isolated in the White House as her approval ratings plummet with the first female veep believing she's not getting the same support given to other members of the Biden administration. This is actually starting to turn out like the show Veep, where she's being left out of everything, and she keeps going every day. The president call? The president call? The president call? Uh, It's hard to miss the specific energy that the White House brings to defend a white man, knowing that Kamala Harris has spent almost a year taking a lot of hits the West Wing didn't want to take themselves. A former Harris aide told CNN... The ex-staffer was referring to the Biden administration springing to defend Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg for taking paternity leave amid the global supply chain crisis. But then, of course, they did not defend Harris, I guess, for what, also taking paternity leave or something like that? Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. It was it was this. At the same time, the president would usually be expected to promote his vice president as a future replacement. But Biden has instead been sidelining Harris as a potential liability, sources say. Look at that. Exasperation and dysfunction inside Kamala Harris's frustrating start as vice president from CNN. This is what got the, the, the left very angry. This piece from CNN got them super angry over this. How, how dare they malign Kamala Harris like this? You know what I mean? How, how dare they do that? And the CNN piece, which was, it's interesting because it's actually showing the truth of what's happening in the in the White House right now. Uh, she's not popular. They don't like her. They, they want to put her away. And I mean, put her away as, as in like, you know, keep her out of the spotlight and everything like this. The CNN piece comes out, and then suddenly her defenders came out and said CNN is sounding like Fox News. But what you see, but what they're missing though in all this, though so of course, is that this is literally what the Biden administration wants CNN to print. They want CNN to go after this. They do. They want CNN to go after this to, to, to write this stuff about Kamala Harris because they want to push her out. That's what they're trying to achieve. That is the goal here. You understand. And, and, and it's no surprise to me, because let's face it, in politics, the one thing that I've learned in my career in politics is that people have very, very long memories, and they really don't ever forgive. They certainly don't forget, but they don't forgive, really. And the thing about forgiveness is they will forgive you if they need you. Uh, Biden needed her to be on the ticket, but they don't want her around, and so they want to destroy her, because revenge is a dish best served cold in politics, as they say. So that's how that goes. and. I mean, everybody knows, I mean, really, everybody knows the truth of the matter and the situation is that this is the Democrats behind Joe Biden pulling those strings when it comes to getting back at her, no doubt, no doubt about it. Now, point something out today. At the border, the Secretary Mayorkas acknowledged several things today. He said the immigration system is fundamentally broken. He gives himself an A on handling immigration at the border. He says 375,000 out of 1.7 million who crossed the border illegally are still in the United States. 375,000. He also talked about payments for migrant families separated under Trump. He said that is not within my province. But you know what's going to happen, of course. They're going to pay those people, no doubt about it. And then, of course, he was grilled by Senator Ted Cruz today, and it was a really, really important uh, exchange with Senator Ted Cruz. Of course, like every other exchange that one of these cabinet hacks has with Senator Ted Cruz, they're never going to be able to answer the questions, and they don't want to answer the questions. Truth is <laughs> that a guy like Mayorkas is going to be such, he's such a hack, right? I mean, really, he's such a hack, isn't he? He's so hacky. Take a listen.
0: Have been sexually assaulted being trafficked into this. Well,
1: got a little buffer thing going on here. Hang on, hang on, hang on. All right, and uh, as we're speaking right now, President Biden is signing the infrastructure bill. They are taking the uh, closing arguments in the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, trial live, though, right now, not that. By the way, did you hear Rockstar Beto O'Rourke announcing his run for governor today? Rockstar, Rockstar. Uh, you remember the media fawning over Beto O'Rourke? I'll have to find that montage that we made up for uh, for the morning show and played at some point. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, that'll be really, really good. But let me say, say, give you some uh, some other news going on today. Uh, some other news, yes. Um, so, <clears throat> let's see now, right now. In the trial here today, Binger, Binger said, the prosecutor said, um, he said... Rittenhouse could have stayed at Mr. Rosenbaum's body, helped protect him, called 911. He could have fired warning shots to keep the crowd away. He could have dropped the gun. He could have raised his hands and surrendered. Now, as people pointed out, you never fire warning shots. If you fire bullets in the air or to the side and those bullets hit and kill someone, you would have been prosecuted for murder. I mean, that's the truth, right? Reckless endangerment. If you drop the gun and somebody else had picked it up and then used it for a crime, that also might have been one of those situations where you would have also been in serious, serious trouble. So we got we, we have the prosecutor calling the crowd a crowd full of heroes lying about the fact that you lose your Second Amendment rights, as he said, if you, uh, you, you lose your self-defense rights, if you are the one with the gun. So a lot of this nonsense that's going on, a lot of this nonsense that's happening today, Biden... Took a victory lap on infrastructure, and of course, thanking Cocaine Mitch for this. Look, Committee Chair Tom Carper, Ranking Member
0: Shelley Moore Capito. I also want to thank Minority Leader Mitch McConnell for voting for this bill and talking about how useful and important it is. And from the-
1: Mitch McConnell, thank you, Mitch. Thank you for Mitch for giving the Democrats their win, their first win. Oh, unbelievable, honestly. It's like, what can you can you just stop helping them when they're down? can you just stop helping them when they're down how about this
0: reporting indicating that there's a lower vaccination rate in some of the intelligence agencies Uh, congressman chris stewart has said that some are up as high as 40 percent unvaccinated um there's also been similar reporting on vaccine holdouts at key military bases real clear politics said there's around 10 percent of highly educated and trained personnel refusing the vaccine
1: Let's think about then Our intelligence community vaccination rates are low. Wouldn't you want spies to not be vaccinated against COVID so they could theoretically give it to the enemy and kill them? Huh? Oh, speaking of, of uh, huh, hear yeah, about this today. Biden, uh, a few moments ago in his speech today, here we go. This is uh, the president.
0: I want to thank everyone who helped make this happen. Vice President Harris, my cabinet members, my White House team, Jill, Doug, our first... Lady and our, our our first lady and our second husband. No, I'm joking.
1: Uh huh. Uh huh. Did you get that, everybody? Did you get that? Okay. First in the in the first man and the second, and then the yeah. All right. uh Biden also said today, right now, that no one earning less than four hundred thousand dollars. Well, this is one of the great lies of our time here today, and the president's repeating it. And no one.
0: No one earning less than $400,000 a year will pay a single penny in federal taxes because of
1: it. Does anybody believe that? Whether you make $400,000 you make $4 a year, does anybody believe that for a second, that no one under $400,000 is going to pay a penny more in taxes? I mean, really, does any, uh, there's not a human being on the planet who really buys that BS, right? Okay, just checking. I want to make sure that it's not just me. Uh, as part of the nonsense of today... This infrastructure bill, by the way, is now going to require that your car tell whether or not you've been drinking before it will start. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to trick my car by getting it drunk first. But this car, I mean, this is just stupid. Warning lights and noises. And now what it's going to be is very, very simple. It's going to now be new technology to determine if we're intoxicated or If the technology just goes haywire, the car won't go anywhere, basically. Now, remember something. This has not actually been invented yet. This is going to be something that we have to pay for for them to invent. Yes. The one guarantee, according to Reason.com, is we'll have to pay for the added complexity as we're forced to use nanny state systems jointly developed by the auto industry and the federal government. Quote from the bill that the president just signed, no later than three years after the date of enactment of this act, the secretary shall issue a final rule prescribing a federal motor vehicle safety standard under Section 30111 of Title 49 United States Code that requires passenger motor vehicles manufactured after the effective date of that standard to be equipped with advanced drunk and impaired driving prevention technology reads a language buried in the massive and recently passed federal infrastructure bill. The bill defines the technology as a system that can passively monitor the performance of a driver of a motor vehicle to accurately identify whether that driver may be impaired and passively and accurately detect whether that blood alcohol concentration of a driver is above 0.08%. If the system decides the driver is being naughty, it will prevent or limit motor vehicle operation. If an impairment is detected Obviously, they have to create the technology. They have to create the system to do all this, obviously. Today, the Automotive Coalition for Traffic Safety, a Virginia nonprofit, announced that the first product equipped with the new alcohol detection technology will be available for open licensing in commercial vehicles for the first time ever. In late 2021, the group announced on June 2nd of this year. The new technology is a result of extensive research, development, and testing by this program, which is a public-private partnership. Now... What's amazing about this, though, of course, is for the first pass at integrating alcohol detection technology in cars and trucks, drivers will provide a puff of breath directed toward a small sensor, which can be outfitted in the steering column or side door trim. This is intended for fleet vehicles, though the federal legislation makes it clear the goal is to build the technology into all automobiles in the next several years. Now, they say future implementations of the technology are intended to be less intrusive, monitoring blood alcohol content without requiring any actions by the driver, Because remember something, one thing that you could do with this new thing is, of course, get somebody to blow for you, right? I mean, they could, of course, do that. They promise that the system will be able to distinguish between drivers and passengers. If an excessive blood alcohol concentration is detected, the technology will prevent a vehicle from starting or unlocking a vehicle's transmission, they say. But maybe, maybe it won't. I mean, like all technology, sometimes you have to unplug it and plug it back in to get it to work. Have you noticed that about technology? The first thing I do when something doesn't work is I hit the old system reset and reboot it. How many times have I had to do that with this podcast? A lot. But you unplug and you plug it back in. Now, the other question is this. What happens if somebody doesn't know what to do if the technology craps down? Right? What happens with that? What happened back in the 1970s, seatbelt interlocks were mandatory in the 1970s until an infuriated public pushed back against technology that prevented cars from starting unless they buckled up. Now, if the sensors went bad, of course, you were in a lot of trouble. The result was that grandma's grocery bags and guard dogs alike triggered the no start unless the belts or the front seats were occupied and were fastened first. Mike Davis, who liked the law, wrote for... Detroit Bureau in 2009, he said, plus people rejecting the Big Brother attitude of forcing them to buckle up before they bought bought into the notion. Well, not only that, but I mean, it's not just a matter of people not liking Big Brother. People don't like technology that stinks, right? That doesn't even work and sometimes just completely breaks down. And there were a lot of this stuff over the years, if you remember. And you can figure out how to get around it. Look, go on YouTube right now and and type in how to disable seatbelt alarms. Like, I mean, have you ever been in a car with somebody And they go, can you please buckle up? Because it goes, ding, 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 ding. And, oh, it's annoying. The EPA also has required idle start-stop features. You can disable those, too. You can just say disable anything obviously but remember who won't disable these things people like you and i who follow the law and don't drink and drive the people that will disable them are the people that are drunk drivers chronic drinkers and drivers people that do it all the time i'm not talking about a guy who's one off by going out to dinner and having two glasses of wine he shouldn't drive i mean the guys that go out and drink every night and think this is bs they're going to be the first ones to figure out a way around this and they'll put it online and other people will figure it out too There's always going to be a way around that but what will it cost is the question Right? Even though all this has to be invented yet and still has to be figured out, how, how much will it cost? Somewhere around $300 to $400 the cost of a vehicle. Maybe even more. They're not quite sure yet, but at least it's going to be at least maybe $500. That's what we do know. And then you might say to yourself, yeah, but that's a lot cheaper than if somebody gets a drunk driving infraction. Well, that's true. But then here's the other question. The states rely on all that money right now for a lot of different things. The average DWI is like, what, 10 grand or something like that. So that's going to be a lot of loss of revenue, number one. Number two, what happens when you have an emergency or something like that and the car doesn't start? Now, they claim that there's going to be an emergency override feature, but it's going to immediately alert law enforcement to your location. So now think about this. You get in the car You're not drunk. The car won't start because it thinks you are. But now you've got to absolutely get somewhere. So you hit the override feature. You hit the gas and you go. Two minutes later, you're pulled over down the street. Now you've got to deal with that whole issue. And I can't wait until the first person gets into it with the cops who wasn't supposed to be stopped and they're taken out of the car. And then they're frisked and it's on YouTube and it becomes a national issue. And then we hear about defund police again or something like that or defund at least these stupid breathalyzer devices. They'll give law enforcement another tool to invade everyone's privacy as soon as they enter a vehicle, said the National Motorist Association. And they're absolutely right. And also, too, I mean, if you say it's only three or four hundred dollars for additional on the cost of a car, not only that, but I mean, everything's going up right now. Can we just get a break somewhere? This is what they said regarding this the National Motorist Association blog. They said uh, it's by Joe Cadillac, founder of the Mass Privatel blog says, Big Brother will soon be able to stop a person from driving their car if it detects any alcohol in their breath. The Automotive Coalition for Traffic Safety and the Driver Alcohol Detection System for Safety have created this open-source in-air alcohol detection system for new vehicles. But, of course, now this is in-air. In-air alcohol detection systems, which can be installed in commercial vehicles by the end of 2021 and in most new cars by 2024. But here's the trick, though, of course. Uh, The driver alcohol detection system is a collaborative research partnership and, like anything else, can probably be hacked. To determine the best way to install the system into new vehicles, extensive research is being undertaken to fully understand the process of breath stream after exhalation and the breath distribution in the cabin, both from drivers and passengers. New cars will be equipped with alcohol-sensing start buttons that will prevent a car from moving if it detects alcohol. The touchpad will be installed somewhere that is natural to the driver, such as the vehicle start button. Now, when the driver presses the stop start button or wherever the sensor is located, the driver completes the loop and confirms that he or she is the person touching the button. If anyone not in the driver's seat presses the button, the circuit will not be closed and the alcohol measurement will not be considered valid. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All well, this sound a little too complicated for you, or well, it's right. They'll al- analyze alcohol found beneath the driver's skin surface. Measurement begins by shining an infrared light on the driver's skin, similar to a low power, power flashlight, which moves into the tissue. Portion of the light is reflected back to the skin surface, where it's collected by the touchpad. This does this not sound like something to you that is completely going to be nonsense? And how this is going to be, and 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 how it can just go wrong in just a matter of time, like very very quickly. But some some uh, cars are already planning on doing it on their own. But I guess my question is, if that's what they want to do on their own, then let them do it. I mean, let the private sector figure that out. Before the federal government passed this bill, some car makers decided that they wanted to jump in and do it themselves. BMW is one. They wanted to have it on there as an option for drivers. But now the state's going to require people to do it. So how that's going to work, of course, like anyone's guess, it's whenever the state mandates anything. How soon until it all blows up, and how soon until the first innocent person is arrested because their car said they were drunk when they weren't, and then they were just—they said that we got to get going, we got to keep moving here. Come on, I'm just saying here. This is the kind of thing that makes people think twice about government intrusion into their life. Uh, the president is still speaking. Uh, no, actually, I'm sorry. He just turned his back on America and walked away. He—it's right. He just—he just—he yeah. He just tried to do that. He tried to put on his mask. It didn't work out well for him. He oh finished. God. My mask, he said. He's outside, by the way. He's outside. He needs his mask on outside because D.C.'s crazy. He signed it. There's Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. And there's Pete Buttigieg, all the people. And oh, now he's coming over to sign the bill. I see it. Yeah. Come on over. Let's sign the bill. Come on. It looks like a commercial for... <laughs> Oops, I crapped my pants. You remember that? That's kind of what it looks like a little bit. The bill that he just signed... Or, or or, in his $1.75 trillion tax and spend bill would raise taxes on 30% of middle-class families, by the way, 30% of middle-class families, just in case you're keeping score at home. But then again, why would anybody keep score at home if they can just try to forget, right? Let's cut through the BS.
0: This is the Rich Zeoli Podcast.